God, we love you, and we are thankful again for your presence in this place. God, we, uh, we're, we're blessed to be able to, to be in a place where we can come and we can sing together, and we can come and we can open up scripture together uh, and not face any, any, uh, any harmful persecution, God. God, I pray that you would uh, once again just, just speak through me this morning. I, 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 don't, I don't deserve to be up here. God, I, I need your words to speak through me this morning. This is not a time when, when people need to hear my words, God. They need to hear your words. They are your people, and this is your day, God. This is all, all for you. God, we give you glory, we give you praise, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are in week two of our series in which we're going to talk about faith. Uh, and we're going to talk about faith uh, as we kind of take a journey through the life of a lesser-known prophet in the Old Testament. His name is Elisha. And uh, Elisha, we gave some background into his life last week. Uh, you'll find him in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. That's where we're going to spend our, our time. And uh, last week, we, we, we talked about the beginning of Elisha's unbelievable story. Right? Elisha, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, who many of you may know, uh, comes to see Elijah, and he places his coat on him, and he, and he basically says, I believe that you can do the things that I can do. I believe that God has, has given this gift to you as he has given it to me. Now come, come with me. And Elijah, Elisha says, all right, well, let me go say bye to my mom and dad. And so he does that. He kisses his mom and dad goodbye. But he also burns his plows. He, he kills all of his cattle. He cooks it up on the fire from the plows and gives it to the people in the city as if he's saying, there is no more plan B. God, I'm following you. I believe that you're calling me in this way. I believe you're calling me to go. And so I'm going to follow you, right? This is a, the beginning of just an unbelievable story from Elisha. We're going to pick up Elisha's story this morning in 2 Kings chapter 3. So if you want to turn to 2 Kings chapter 3 with me, uh, this is not, not quite the next time we hear of Elisha. We'll talk about the next time uh, today, but that's not where we're going to start this morning. Second uh, Kings chapter 3, uh, and, and in, this, in this story, just a little context as you turn, uh, and if you're using one of our Bibles, it's on page 261, uh, there are three kings in this story that we're going to read this morning. Three kings, uh, and they are uh, going after... Moab. They want, to, they want to go. They have joined forces against, Moab, against the Moabites. And they're thinking, hey, this is going to be three on one. This will be fairly simple. We'll just go in and, and uh, do what it takes, and, and we'll be done. We're going to go over, and we're going to, we're going to beat the Moabites. We're going to plunder them, and this is going to be easy. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever thought that at some point? Ah, oh, this is going to be easy, right? But then at some point in, in like the, like you start and sit down with something, you say, ah, oh, this is going to be easy. And then like an hour later, you're like, this is not as easy as I thought, right? This is what happens to these kings. They're, they're, they end up wandering in the desert for about a week and they find out they're, they're thirsty. They don't have any more water. They're going to die of thirst. They're, they're, their animals are going to die of thirst, right? And, and they have this need. They have a, a point of desperate need that they are in. And, and as, I, as we read this this morning, I want us just to remember this. That, that this is kind of my, the thought for the day that I want you to think about this week and today. Your greatest need becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. I want you to think about that. Your greatest need becomes your greatest blessing when it causes you to depend on God. Now let's read here. Let's read in 2 Kings chapter 3. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 3. We're going to read just for a little bit here. 
Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father and mother had done. He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which, had caused, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Now Mesha, king of Moab, raised sheep, and he had to pay the king of Israel a, a tribute of a hundred thousand lambs and a wool of a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all of Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I'll go with you, he replied. I'm, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your houses, horses. By what route shall we take, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After, and after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. I want to stop right there. Elijah is mentioned here, and we know that Elijah mentored Elisha. And, and uh, there's an interesting kind of parallel here, right? In, in 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah uh, is there and he pronounces a drought on the land. He says, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. That's 1 Kings chapter 17. And, uh, and then the story of last week, remember I talked about the story last week of Elijah uh, going basically one versus 950 prophets of Baal uh, and just taunting them and teasing them and, and finally raining down fire from heaven on his to, to say that our God is the true God. Immediately following this, right, Elijah is the one who says, have everybody get ready, it's about to rain. And people are like, it hasn't rained here in years, Elijah. And he says, just get ready. It's about to rain. And so he goes up and he's, he's praying and he sends someone to look into the horizon. He says, is there rain? And he says, no, there's nothing. He sends him to go back to look again. And he says, there's, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up out of the ocean. And Elijah says, Let's go. The rain is coming. And in, and, in, and in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 45, it says there were heavy rains on the land. Right? These, these kings, these, these three kings, uh, they know Elijah. Right? They, they, you can tell by the way that they're talking here. Because Elisha, the way that they know Elisha was the real deal was because what? Because he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Right? They know that Elisha is the real deal because of Elijah. And they're thinking here, hey, we need some water. Elijah made it rain. Maybe Elisha can do the same thing. Give me this prophet. Let's go down and let's see this prophet. And here, here's a big thing to note, though. None of these kings at the time were really following God. We see that the king of Israel was not following God. Jehoshaphat not so much following God. The king of Edom, not so much following God, which we'll see in a second. None of these guys were, were following God, and, and they get into this point of trouble, and they do what I think some of us do sometimes. Yeah, I'm really in a lot of trouble here. 
And God, help me. God, would you help me? I'm in, I'm in this trouble here. I, 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 I'm, I may, sorry I'm not quite living for you right now. Sorry I'm kind of off on my own thing right now. But God, I'm in some trouble here and I need your help. What do they do? They're in some trouble. Their men are, 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 are thirsty, right? They've been wandering on the desert for seven days and they ran out of water. Their animals are going to die. They are going to die. God, God help us. Where's the prophet when we need him? Well, Elisha's here. Well, let's go, let's go see Elisha. And Elisha, uh, to be fair, I mean, Elisha has, he's kind of holding his own in his own prophet thing here. All right, you read in 2 Kings chapter 2, and uh, one of the first miracles that, that Elisha does after Elijah goes into heaven in 2 Kings chapter 2 is he's in this city, and the, and the, the people of the city say, Hey, Elijah, this, the, our city is, is very well situated, it says in, in, in the Bible. It's very well situated, but, but our well is just it's killing our people. And so Eli, Elisha has them bring him a bowl of salt, and he heals the well in the city. And, and in 1 Kings Chapter 2, verse 22, it says, And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha has spoken. Right? So Elisha's doing his own thing. And this next story is also in the Bible, believe it or not. Elisha one day is walking, and I used to tell this to the teens all the time and, uh, when I was in youth ministry, and I'd say, tell me if this is really in the Bible or not. And you'd be, imagine the surprise. Elisha's walking one day, and he's going up to Bethel. And on his way to Bethel, some kids come out of the city and they start calling him names. Hey, Baldy. Hey, Baldy. And so Elisha, I'm just going to read this to you because this is, this is in the Bible. It's, you should read your Bible. It's fun to read the Bible. <clears throat> Here's what he says. Get out of here, Baldy. They said, get out of here, Baldy. So he turned around. He looked at them and he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. That's in the Bible. Right? They called him Baldy. That just teaches you right there. Don't make fun of people with no hair. Right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I knew I'd get at least one. Right? <laughs> so Elijah's been doing his own thing. Like Elisha's, Elisha's kind of proving that he's, he's, he's from God here, even though that bear thing is a little bit ridiculous. Right? He's proving that he's got the power of God here. And so they go to Elisha, and Elisha kind of gives him a little bit of attitude in verse 13. And I wonder where he learned the, the little bit of attitude. I mean, could it have been from his mentor, Elijah, who was teasing the prophets of Baal, saying, hey, maybe your God's in the bathroom, right? Maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe, he can't, maybe you should shout louder and wake him up, and he'll, he'll bring down fire from heaven. That's 1 Kings chapter 18. That's also in the Bible. You should read your Bible. It's fun to read the Bible, right? And so they come to Elijah. In verse 13, he kind of gives them a hard time. Elijah said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us to, into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay attention to you. Right? I'm only doing this because I like Jehoshaphat. You other guys... Don't deserve this. But I'm going to do this because I like Jehoshaphat. All right, I'm only doing this. Here's what he says. If I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. <laughs> That's funny. 
While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water. Now, the original translation says it a little bit different. If you read it in, in the original Hebrew, original language, it says, And thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of trenches. Right, so in the original language, it doesn't say that God is going to fill the valley. It says that God is calling his people. He's saying, hey, go and dig some trenches. Go dig some trenches. For this is what the Lord says, verse 17. You will, neither, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. You're asking for water. Go dig some ditches. And by the way, I'll do that other thing you're out here to do as well. You're asking me for water. Go dig some ditches. They can imagine the kings being, hold on. We're like, we're dying of thirst here. We're in a desert. And you're going to tell me to go dig some ditches. You want me to do that to my men. You want me to tell my men to go and dig some ditches in the desert as we're dying of thirst. This sounds really smart there, Elisha. I can just imagine Elisha being like, thus saith the Lord. This isn't me. Uh, the, you, could, you could take this one up with God, right? You could, t- you could take this, this concern up with God here. But here's, here's what he says. He's, he's talking to them. He says, this is easy for God. I'll even, I'll, even, I'll even deliver the Moabites. But first, I want you to dig some ditches. I want to just, just talk this morning about really a the kind of faith that Elijah is, is coming after here. There's a faith, a faith that works. And I mean that in the two ways that I could mean that. All right, a faith that works, a faith that is effective, a faith that, that, that understands the heart of God and knows that God will respond to, to prayers, but also a faith that works, a faith that is active. I think, I think these, these two things here, I think there's two thoughts as, as we stop right here in the story. We're going to continue in a second. As we stop here, I think there's two thoughts that I want to just talk about this morning. Two thoughts last week, two thoughts this week. Here's, here's the first thought. Only God can send the water. But sometimes he's going to call you to dig some ditches. Only God can send the water. But sometimes he will call you to dig a ditch. Here, there's, there's in the, if you turn to James with me, James chapter 2, verse 26 says this, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now, here's the thing. Can such deeds save us? Right? Paul would say no. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by the things that we do. But if we truly believe, if we truly believe that we are saved by grace, our faith will, will be seen in the way that we live, in the way that we act. Our faith will be lived out in our lives if it is true faith. And then sometimes, God just wants to see our faith in action. Let me ask you a question. Did God need those army men to dig the ditches? No. God should have, should have, should have said, 
ditches. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some ditches. I'm gonna fill them with water for you. Here we go. Snap, and it's done. God says, dig some ditches. And I'm going to bring some water down to you so, so you're not going to be thirsty anymore. And oh, by the way, I'll deliver the Moabites into your hands. Sometimes God just wants to see our faith in action. It's as if God is saying, show me your faith and I will show you my faithfulness. Now, do we always need to show God our faith for God to be faithful? No, God is always faithful. God cannot not be faithful. It's not within him not to be faithful. But sometimes I feel like if we, if we show God our faith in the way that we live, that, that we see in very real and tangible ways the faithfulness of God reflected back at us. God loves to see our faith. I mean, this is all over the New Testament. If you read the Gospels, you look at all the times it, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw his faith, when Jesus saw his faith, it's all over the place, right? When Jesus saw their faith, think about Peter. We talked about Peter getting out of the boat last week, right? This is not a faith that just, that just thinks, yeah, I think I can walk on water. Jesus calls to Peter and says, Peter, get out of the boat. And Peter takes a step out of the boat, right? And what does he do? He walks on water. Peter's faith brought him to a place of action, Right? We read the miracle of Jesus, and he's, and he's going to a blind man, and he spits in his hands, and he gets it muddy, and he puts it on the guy's eyes. And what happens? He says, now you need to go over to this place, and you need to wash your eyes, and then you'll see. I'm going to be faithful, but you need to show me your faith. Go. Right, we see the, the, the men who, who come to, who their friend has been paralyzed and they put him on a mat and, and Jesus is so crowded, he's teaching and, and I mean, you can imagine Jesus preaching, there's going to be a big crowd around Jesus, right? He's probably the best preacher that ever lived. And so these guys cannot get into Jesus and so they carry their buddy on a mat, they cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down to Jesus. And what are the first words that Jesus says? Because of their faith, you've been healed. Now get up and walk. Sometimes God just needs to see our faith. Sometimes our, our lives need to be lives that are lived out where our faith is, is able to be seen. Right? I believe that there are Christians in this room who are, and are around the world who, who want to see God's faithfulness in their lives so bad and we just keep waiting and waiting and waiting to see the faithfulness of God. I guarantee you, if you start living out your faith, you will see the faithfulness of God reflected right back at you. I guarantee it. You start today. Sometimes we just think, man, well, I just, you know, I'm just going to continue on believing, which isn't a bad thing to keep believing. Sometimes God is calling us to, to take a step, to do something. God wants to see our faith in action, and then we see God's faithfulness reflected back at us. We need to take a step of faith. Maybe that step of faith for you is to to forgive someone who's not even asking you for forgiveness. And God's faithfulness will come in and that, that, re, that relationship will be restored at some point. Maybe the step of faith is, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what your step of faith needs to be. But I think as you take the step of faith that God, God will send the water. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he's calling us to, 
to dig some ditches. Here's a second, second thought I want to go over today. Is that, that real faith, true faith, believes big, but is willing to start small. True faith believes big, but is willing to start small. I had conversations even this week about dreaming big. Dream big, dream big, dream big. Some of us have, have, have big dreams. We have a big vision for the future. How do, you, how do you dig a ditch in the ninth century in the desert? It's one shovel full at a time. Right? They're not bringing in the backhoe to dig some ditches and dig some trenches. They're not renting a trencher to go and do this. They're digging shovelfuls of dirt, a couple pounds at a time, going. They believed in the big picture. Those people wouldn't have dug if they didn't believe that God was going to provide the water. But they dig, and they're willing to start small. Some of us have, have big visions, big ideas for what God is calling us to do as a church, as individuals. If we're not willing to start small, we'll just be stuck being a, a dreamer, someone with big visions. And man, wouldn't it be nice someday if, those would, if that would come to pass? Wouldn't it be nice if God would just lay this in our laps? But man, if we're not willing to take the small step and start small. All right, real faith, true faith, believes big, but is willing, willing to start small. Here's how this whole story ends in 2 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 20. The next morning... About the time for the offering, the sacrifice, there it was. There it was. Water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come to fight against them. So every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. And to the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's blood, they said. Those, those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder, Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns, and each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. They stopped up all the springs and cut down every good tree. Only Kir Hereseth was left with its stones in place. But men armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it. We'll stop there. What happened? The water came. And oh, by the way, God delivered the Moabites. The water came. And oh, by the way, God gave you that other thing that, that, he was, that you were going for. Why? They dug some ditches. They had the faith to be able to, to start small, say, hey, we believe that God is going to do this. I mean, it helps when Elisha's there, standing there, right, and saying, hey, this is going to happen if you do this. Go dig some ditches and the water will come. And the water came. And oh, by the way, that other thing you're out in the desert doing, God delivered that for them as well. And this is, this is the kind of faith that we need to have the kind of faith that is, that is willing to say, God, 
I will dig the ditches because I believe that you're going to, become, you're going to come true in your, in your ways. God, I believe that you are faithful, so I will, be, I will be faithful with my faith. I will live out my faith because I believe that you will be faithful in what you say. God, I believe that, if, if you remember this, that you are who you say you are. You will do the things that you say you can do. God, I believe you, and so I will live my life as though I believe that. This is the kind of faith we're called to. And we're called to the kind of faith that is willing to say, hey, God, you've given me this, this big vision. God, this, this, this big dream that you have given me, you've given us even, God. And we are willing today to take a small step into that because we know that, that we need to take a step. We can't just sit here and wait for you to deliver our, our wildest dreams and our wildest things. Let's take a step forward. Let's go. This kind of faith that is, that is, that is undeterred by, by seeming seeming things in the distance that we can't control. But a faith that's willing to say, all right, God, I'm going to take this step, and I believe you'll be faithful. And I'm going to take this step, and I believe that you'll be faithful. And I'm going to take the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And every single day, I'm going to step out in faith and live my life as though I believe that you are who you say you are, that you can do the things that you say you can do. I'm going to live in this way. This is the kind of faith that we see in Elisha, that Elisha's calling these people to. This is the kind of faith that, that I think we can, it's not impossible. Sometimes I preach these things and I, I look out and sometimes the, the stairs are, are a little bit blank. Pastor Chris, I don't, know if I, could do, I don't know if I can do this. You're calling me to some really hard things, Pastor Chris. And you're right. You're absolutely right, and I am. But I do it because I know this. That in our weakness, God is strong. I do it because I know this, that God would not call you to do something if he didn't think that you could do it. But you're only going to be able to do it if you depend on God. Your greatest need becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. My prayer is for a church. My prayer is for a church full of people who think big, who are willing to start small. My prayer is for a church of people who believe that that God is going to bring the water. And if he calls us to dig a ditch, we're going to dig a ditch. My prayer is, is for people who who live their life as though they believe that God is who he says he is. He can do the things he says he can do. That's my prayer for you every day, every week. That you would be people who live it out. That you would be people who make differences in your community because of the faith that you display. Because you have a faith that works. Next week we're going to talk about another story of Elisha. Have you ever felt like, like you've just given it all you can give and you can't give anymore? Have you ever felt like you were at the end of your rope and this is just kind of, this is it? Next week we're going to talk about Elisha and how he deals with, with a woman who's at the end of her rope. Let's pray this morning.
John. God, we love you. And uh, we are, again, just so thankful for you. Thankful for your presence in our lives. Thankful for your presence in this place this morning as we worship. God, as we go this morning, would you just go ahead of us? Be in our homes, be in our workplaces, be in every conversation that we might have, God, that we might glorify you, that we might honor you wherever we may be, and that we might make a difference in our communities and in our world because we're living in faith. God, we love you, and we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we go? And let's receive this, uh, this blessing. May the God of grace and peace and joy and love, may he go with you and go ahead of you this week. May he call you to action this week. And may he find you faithful. And as he finds you faithful, would you make a difference in your community? Go in peace. Go in grace. Go in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.